Today we're going to dig deep into the character of Quarrel in Dr. No, brilliantly played by John Kitzmiller. This is a new series we're doing now of character profiles from some of the Bond movies. All right, Quarrel is one of the cool and important characters in the first Ian production James Bond movie, Dr. No. James Bond, of course, is sent to Jamaica to investigate the disappearance of the MI6 team, Strangways and Mary Trueblood. Of course, this all leads Bond to Dr. No, played by Joseph Wiseman. This is Dan. And Tom. From SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. If you're watching this on our Cracking the Code of Spy Movies YouTube channel, you will see all the clips from Dr. No that we're going to talk about. All right, without quarrel, James Bond would have had a much tougher time in this mission. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Dr. No was not going to be the first James Bond movie that EN Productions wanted to produce. They wanted to do Thunderball, but they had that whole rights issue with Thunderball and that legal battle with uh, Kevin McClory and Ian Fleming. Yeah. So EON had to change their plans, and they decided to do Dr. No instead. Yeah. Now, Dr. No actually was the sixth book that Ian Fleming published in his James Bond series. You'll remember that in Live and Let Die, we have a Coral Jr., the son of Coral. Well, Live and Let Die was the second book published by Ian Fleming. And as we know from the Dr. No novel, Bond already knew Quarrel from five years ago in the Live and Let Die mission. So from the books, <laughs> this happened before. So they kind of confuse us a little bit so here. So we're starting with out doing with Dr. the lack no of first. continuity at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, boom, right away. They they have to invent another character later, the Quarrel Jr. character for Live and Let Die. All right, so Ian, having produced Dr. No in 1962 first, and both in the novel and the movie, Quarrel Perishes. Well, when Ian got around to live and let die, they needed a Quarrel again. So they invented Quarrel Jr., the son of Quarrel, played by Roy Stewart, who had actually been born in Jamaica. Now, and we're first introduced here to Quarrel in a photograph at Strangway's yeah. house. Yeah. So when Strangway's assistant, Mary Trueblood, was murdered by the three blind mice, there's a picture on the credenza in Quarrel's in that picture. Yeah, then, now, in the novel, Strangway's place was burned to the ground. So, again, in the movie, got a little different scenario here. Yeah, they, they wouldn't find the picture probably in the novel. <laughs> no. <laughs> but so Bond is inspecting the property there, and he's there with Duff, right, Superintendent Duff. So he sees this picture of Strangway's with another man, and apparently they'd been fishing. And Bond asks Superintendent Duff who the man that Strangway's is with, and we get introduced to Quarrel. But we just know he's one of the local fishermen. Yeah, I mean, we don't know his name yet. The superintendent Duff just says one of the local fishermen, like you said. But we are introduced via a photograph. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. He is nameless in the scene. So let's go ahead and watch the scene and uh, and listen closely to hear he never says his name. Who's the man with strangways? Oh, one of the local fishermen. He drove the car that tailed me from the airport. That's so. That gives us something to work on. I'll have a thorough check made on him. Yes, you do that. There are a few instances in James Bond movies where we're introduced to a character via a photograph who later appears in the movie. It has happened before, though, in briefings of the operations and missions and so on. Like Tanya in From Russia with Love. Here's a snapshot. Kerry managed to get of it. Well, I don't know too much about cryptography, sir, but uh, I like to could decode their top secret signals. The whole thing's so fantastic, it just could be true. Hmm. 
that had occurred to me. I think he liked the picture that he saw of her. <laughs> yeah, I think he wanted that assignment. <laughs> All right. Okay, Dan, we finally get Quarrel's name at the Queen's Club when Bond is talking with Dent, Plydell Smith, and Potter. Potter right. tells Bond that Quarrel has the most expensive charter for fishing. Bond wants to get to the bottom of why Strangways is in the picture with Quarrel and why he had hired Quarrel apparently for fishing trips. Yeah. Or was Strangways up to something else? <laughs> yeah. You mean the size of the fish in the picture wasn't enough for Strangways to hire this local fisherman? I mean, geez, that was gigantic. <laughs> I mean, it looked like Coral was a good fishing charter to hire, but I think maybe Strangways was up to something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess with a fish like that, I'd hire him if I wanted to go fishing as well. Yeah, it didn't look like a fish story. <laughs> yeah. So Bon heads to the docks to look for Coral. Excuse me, where do I find Coral? Him. All right, Bond approaches Quarrel, who's busy painting part of the boat red. Quarrel wants nothing to do with Bond, as Bond is asking questions about Strangways and more. Quarrel has a red shirt and khakis on. But in the novel, though, Bond says, as he meets Quarrel again, that he probably has the same old faded blue shirt and the same khaki twill trousers that he had been wearing when Bond met him five years ago. In Live and Let Die, if you remember, in the books. <laughs> in the movie here, however, a red shirt is what Quarrel has on, and that stood out more against the blue waters and the sky for the movie. So I think for the purposes of the movie, he's got a red shirt on. Pretty cool, though. I'm a friend of uh, Commander Strangways. No, ain't that nice. I like people whose friends are people. I thought you might be able to tell me what happened to him. As far as I know, nothing happened. Unless you know different captain where did you take him uh, in your boat see that captain that there's the caribbean that's where station i'm interested in fishing i'd like to charter your boat i'm sorry captain it's not for hire seems i came to the wrong address that's all right captain now if you'll excuse me i got business to tend to John Kitzmiller plays Quarrel to perfection here. His facial expressions, as you can see if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, his body movement, the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, his preoccupation with the paint can and the stirring stick. We actually never see him paint anything. His interaction with Bond here is all flawless. Watch his eyes as he talks with Bond. He is dismissive in his talk and with his facial expressions and his eyes, but he's polite. At the same time, now, if you excuse me, I've got better things to do. Wow. I mean, the, the guy is terrific. Kitz Miller. Awesome. Yeah. He does a great job here. Yeah. We're, we're also drawn into this scene because we're meeting Quarrel in person, not just the guy in the photograph. Yeah. And I, I think this is a great scene because it shows how efficient Bond is at finding key players in his mission quickly. Yep. Boom. Okay. I'll go down the docks and find Quarrel. And there he is. Yep. And second, Coral here is engaging yet distant, believable as the character on the Caribbean painting his boat, and he draws us right into the intrigue and challenges Bond faces and will face. This short scene is one of the revealing scenes in Dr. No, and it's so important to the unfolding of the story. It really is. It's terrific. And like you said, Bond finds one of the key players he needs to find to solve this mission. Yep. So, of course, Bond follows Quarrel as Quarrel walks away from Bond. I like that. Into the beachfront bar owned by Pussfeller. And we get yeah. this great scene in the bar. 
Well, if it ain't my friend, what gets a dress is mixed. You got the right one this time if you likes good eating. I do, if the uh, conversation matches it. Back at the boat, public. In there, it's different. Well, after you. Sure thing. Hey, man, you see, we get a bit of privacy. Nothing but, Coral, nothing but. This scene is so well done because, one, it gives us a sense and feeling of the area, Jamaica, and a beachfront bar with bamboo and thatched roofs and a cool drink. And two, it reveals more about Quarrel. He knows Pussfeller well and is setting Bond up in a trap here once he sees Bond showing up at the bar and following him there. So Quarrel tells Bond that out at the boat, it was public, so he didn't want to talk there. But back here, it's private. So this is why he's going into the back room of Pussfeller's place, because he knows Bond is insisting on talking. And so he wants to get him into the back room and away from everybody because he's got something else up his sleeve, almost literally. <laughs> and Pussfeller says, yeah, go ahead, take the back room. So let's see what happens in the back room. Okay, mister, suppose you start the conversation. Now, how's about it? All right, so here in this back room, authentic to the island, are cases of red striped beer piled up in the storage room. You think they're empty cases. Now, Red Stripe is a true Jamaican beer. Yeah, yeah, I've had many uh, uh, in my time in Jamaica, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad beer. (laughs) And and it's a great choice here because it it is a very popular beer in Jamaica. Yep. So anyway, Coral pulls a knife on Bond because he wants to get to know what the stranger is up to, and his dialogue is great. Kitzmiller's delivery is great, and it shows how distrusting he is of this British guy. And we also know that he's got this ally in Pussfeller. Remember, yeah. Coral followed Bond from the airport with another guy. And Bond lost them when Mr. Jones is driving the convertible with Bond. Right, yeah. So, I mean, listen to his voice and watch his actions. It's just really good. Even when he pulls out the knife here, he does it with authority and with confidence. I mean, it's just really good acting. It, it really is terrific. So now we find out that Quarrel and Pussfeller are working together as Pussfeller comes in and he puts his arms around Bond's arms to prevent him from getting a weapon out. Ain't no use you struggling. Pussfeller rassles alligators. So that was pretty good at Pussfeller. He's like, boom, he's jumping right into. So I love the line that Quarrel says when he says Pussfeller rassles alligators. But you know me, I looked it up. There are no alligators <laughs> in Jamaica, only crocodiles. Now, that said, I never remember the difference between crocodiles and alligators anyways, but it was a miss here. And yeah, well, yeah, crocs are, are more aggressive. And hey, Pussfeller, I mean, he could have wrestled them in Florida. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Quarrel's <laughs> not from Jamaica. He's a Cayman Islander. So there you go. You know. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? Good, good. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Anyway, he wrestles alligators. I love that. No sense yeah. messing with him, and he throws them <laughs> off like nothing. <laughs> right. Up slowly in the face of wall. So when Bond throws off Pussfeller and kicks away Quarrel's knife and everything, I mean, you got to look at this. The Quarrel's face shows what a great actor Kitzmiller is here. He looks astonished, amazed that Bond got out of the grip of an alligator wrestler. <laughs> he looks like, oh, my God, who is this guy? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Beautiful. Very cool. All 
All right, this is perfect delivery, perfect body language. And and Pussfeller and, and Quarrel at the time was showing that he was in control. But now when Bond flips off and pushes off Pussfeller and throws them into the empty cases of Red Stripe, you know now who's in control here for a moment, at least. It's Bond. It's yeah. uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it really is. But then we see Felix Leiter for the first time, knowing that he's, we're going to find out he's Felix Leiter. Yeah. And so that was kind of cool. I mean, we saw him at the airport, we, but we didn't know who he was. And right, so right. it's kind of cool that we're going to see that. And so let's go ahead and play that clip as well. Briskin. All right, so we see when Leiter tells Quarrel to frisk Bond, you see again the power of Kitzmiller as an actor. He sparks a bit at Bond, looks at Bond right in the eyes, like, all right, who's in control now? And then he frisks him. This is a great piece of acting once again by Kitzmiller here as Quarrel. Unbelievable. And then Leiter reveals who he really is. This is Quarrel. He's been helping me. No hard feelings, I hope. Only a sore hand. Glad to know you, Mr. Bond. All right, so now we know Felix works for the CIA, and they're all friends. They're all on the same side. Okay, cool. All right, so we jump ahead to the scene with James Bond, Felix Leiter, and Quarrel sitting at a table at Pussfellers, this time at night. We get a glimpse into how Quarrel thinks before he says something. The conversation turns to where Quarrel has checked the islands, and note Quarrel's eyes again. He glances at Leiter and Bond and asks him about this. Strangways and Quarrel checked the offshore islands. You found nothing? Not a thing. Where did you look? Just about most everywhere. Far Island, Crab Key, Morgan's Reef. Checked them all thoroughly? All except Crab Key. We didn't have no right to go there. Yeah, I think that Coral's eyes here demonstrate that he is thinking about where he went. That little hesitation and so on. This is, again, brilliant acting. As you know, This little hesitation is one would do when you're thinking about what you're going to say to answer the question. So this is so easy to miss in this particular scene, but such a powerful acting talent. He knows his lines, of course, but <laughs> you believe he's thinking of what he has to say next to respond. It's just great. This little scene is one of my favorites of Quarrel in, in, in the whole movie. Just great. Yeah, really, it really is a good scene here. Yeah. And when the woman photographer shows up and takes a picture, Bond tells Quarrel, hey, get her and the camera. And Quarrel is, again, perfect. He gets her and brings her to the table with, again, 100% believability. Got up, put her arm behind her back and twisted it. Boom. Perfect. Great stuff. And then, of course, she wants to leave the table. And then she smashes that flash bulb, as we all recall. And, ooh, gouges. We don't get nothing out of this gal. You want for me to break her arm? <laughs> I love that. The reaction here from Quarrel is terrific. When she cuts Quarrel's face with the flashbulb, his reaction is just without flaw. He wipes his face with his hand. He sees the blood. He smiles. And he says his line, we don't get nothing out of this gal. I mean, that's just fabulous acting. It, it really is. And it really shows how tough Quarrel is. I mean, yeah. he's there. He's still in his elements, his wheelhouse. And he's not bothered by little things like a scratched up face. You want me to break her arm? That doesn't bother me either. I mean, it's so good. And what you might think that Quarrel would say and do. And it's exactly what happens here. 
So I, I really, really like that. Yeah, me too. Then they get to talking about Crab Key. Quarrel tells of friends having gone there after seashells and never came back. He's definitely, definitely uncomfortable here. And you could see that. He absolutely is. And I think the fact that it's going after seashells is interesting because it sets things up with honey a little bit later. Yeah, that's true, too. Let's go ahead and hear Quarrel explain this. That crab key scares me plenty. Friends of mine went out there once after seashells. Only trouble, they never came back again. None of the local fishermen will go near the place. Commander Strangways and me, we slipped in at night. He takes some samples. We came straight back again. Don't do for a man to hang about there. What kind of samples? Oh, bits of rock, sand, water. I see. That. So let's jump ahead to where Bond is testing Quarrel's boat with the Geiger counter. Kitzmiller is again solid with how he portrays Quarrel here. Okay. Soon can you get us over to Crab Key? Well, it's like this here, Captain. Commander Strangways, he doesn't take samples of all the islands. Supposed we start checking the nearest ones first. No, no. Crab Key's the one I'm interested in. I didn't take the commander there. We got away without trouble. It don't do for a man to tempt Providence too often. You see, there's a dragon. What? Native superstition. Started by Dr. No, probably. All right, Quarrel. We don't want to force you to do anything. I don't know I'll go over after dark if you'll give us the navigational directions. I get my navigational directions from my nose, my ears, from my instincts. Anyway, I'll be here about seven. Okay, I do like how Quarrel changes his mind at the last moment, telling Bond he will bring him and we'll be back around seven. I just like that because he's like, okay, I set my objection. They acquiesced to it, but really the right thing for me to do is to go. So I'm going to go. Yeah, he didn't want to bring Bond there for sure. But then he he does acquiesce and change his mind, which is great. So that night, James Bond, Leiter, and Quarrel start to head out to Crab Key. Quarrel lets Bond know how he feels. Bottle, everything's going to be fine. You say so, Captain. Bottom part of where my belly used to be tells me different. The point here is Quarrel, though afraid, is taking action and taking Bond to Crab Key. And Kitzmiller delivers as Quarrel again and again here. As they head over to Crab Key, Quarrel starts drinking. This causes Leiter to make a quip to Quarrel that Quarrel doesn't find too funny at the time. Because he is scared, but he's doing it. That's the point. Hey, Quarrel, if you see a dragon, you get it first and breathe on him, you hear? With all that rum in you, he'll die happy. (laughs) I think that's the reaction we'd expect for that line if Quarrel had been drinking. Yeah, that's good. I might have said a few choice words back, but I like the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, Leiter's portrayal of Quarrel as a rum drinker comes full circle when they land at Crab Key, too, because Quarrel is scared. And what does he do when they land there? He swigs some rum from a jug. But he does But he does what Bond wants him to do. The scene, swigging the rum, is so solid and so believable again. You just feel that this is a natural for Quarrel. That's how good John Kitzmiller is here. Just terrific. Great short little scene, but brilliantly done again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So they sleep a little bit and Honey Rider shows up. Yeah, we all remember that. <laughs> and Quarrel runs down the beach because he hears an engine of a boat. And once again, his face goes to work quickly, 
looking over Honey Rider <laughs> and then focusing on Bond again and the problem it had. For a moment, he kind of forgets looking at Honey, though. That was like <laughs> brilliant acting again. Like, of course, probably not acting but <laughs> at that moment. But, man, that was terrific. That's all right. He's with me. Captain, what do you think of that? What's the matter? When the guards come via the boat, Quarrel is scared again. But he's there. Notice his face. He says it all with his face. This is supreme acting, really. Words are great, but saying a lot with your face is real acting. Timothy Dalton was a master at that with his two Bond movies. So here he looks at the boat, frozen, like he's scared again. As a side note, I love that the guard on the boat with the megaphone, <laughs> when they are about to leave, he lowers the megaphone from his mouth and says, We'll be back. We'll be back with our dogs. Full speed ahead. And when he says full speed ahead, he doesn't have the megaphone by his mouth. <laughs> but it sounds like he still does. Come on, Dan. This is the first movie. They have to show us to expect some continuity issues in the series, even if they're wait, talking wait. out of a mic megaphone. Oh, oh, my God. Wait, wait. What was that? <laughs> Tom talking on a megaphone. Oh, my Whoa, God. I'm still talking off of it. There we go. Now I turned off. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> now, another right. thing I love in this scene is that James Bond is played by Sean Connery, as we know. Yeah. And in this scene, he does say there are no such things as dragons. Yes. Yet 34 years later, Connery does the voice of Draco in Dragonheart. And yes, Draco is a dragon. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. I think most people did, though. Although Dragonheart did gross like uh, a lot of money, like 115 million <laughs> or something against a budget of around 57. So it wasn't so bad. <laughs> anyway, because we remember, of course, uh, Quarrel and the locals are afraid of a dragon. That's the whole point there is like, ah, there's a dragon. Because uh, he had told Bond that earlier. Yikes, a dragon. Well, we'll find out if there's a dragon. All right, let's keep going. When the guards return on land with sniffing dogs, things get tense. Bond tells Coral to cut some reeds so that they can breathe underwater to hide from the guards. And he does it well. He is in full support of Bond being in control, and he shows it every step of the way. He's supporting Bond all the way. All the scenes with Coral hold up extremely well today, except the fetch my shoes line. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that no, one. See, Dan, you've, you've mentioned this line, how it bothers you many times in, in past episodes. Yeah. But to me, Commander James Bond is giving Coral an order. Yeah. He does something similar at Pussfellers when he tells Coral to get the photographer. They seem like similar statements to me and that it's the commander giving an order to a subordinate yeah yeah i don't know i don't think so. i think it's a little a little outrageous but you know um yeah he he needed to get his shoes but he tells him hey cover the boat get my shoes again so commander I, bond yeah i don't think that's as big a deal as you do but anyways let's move all on right. yeah okay. let's move on all right right so they're they're cleaning up after being in the falls and quarrel says mr bond quick now, this is odd because he's been calling him Captain the whole the whole time. Yeah. But for some reason, he says Mr. Bond here. Yeah. I think that that's an odd moment 
And, and for this one, I feel that he stepped out of his character. I really do. It, it, this is one part of the analysis of Quarrel that bothered me a little bit. That That's what the writers wrote, obviously. I can't blame Kitzmiller for this, right? He sees the dragon tracks that Honey Rider points out and a burned bush and whatever. But in this particular moment, when he says this, I think he, he's out of character. Like, well, so now, you, you, you're, you're saying the writers wrote this. Is it possible he just, Kitzmiller just slipped up and they didn't catch it? And so they let it in. Ah, I, I doubt it because, I mean, he's calling him Captain and he's so good at calling him Captain. Not Captain, Captain, but Captain. Guy, Captain, <laughs> well, you know, you know what's going to happen. Ah, man. I, I think he, for some reason, called him Mr. Bond. Okay, so let's, let's that hear. That bothered me. <laughs> let's hear what he, how he says it. Now. Look at these. Those are dragon tracks. Oh, look, it's very breathed. Captain, you all get some rest if you want to. I stay out here on watch in case he smells us out and comes in looking for us. Right, and I'll take the second watch. Okay. Yeah. Now, Quarrel's face again says it all. He looks at the tracks, the bush, the burnt bush. His head snapping, going screen left and screen right and left and right again, communicating to us that he was trying to take this all in quickly and was concerned at the same time. I mean, again, excellent acting, excellent directing. And Kitz Miller pulls it off again as a very believable quarrel in a time of crisis. I love it. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after Honey Rider tells her story about killing the man who raped her with the Black Widow spider, Quarrel comes running up to them again. But this time he says, Captain Quick, down here. So he's calling Bond Captain here. Yeah. Mr. Bond, let's take a listen. Captain Quick, down here. Whatever's coming, it's coming this way. This time I want to see it. So (laughs) after they see the dragon tracks, they find the dragon. Yes, they do. Stay where you are, all of you. Stay right where you are. I think they were using the same megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we couldn't see them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was, uh, it was good, though, right? And then it breathes the fire out of the front of the thing. And okay. so Bond gives Coral instructions that when the dragon is in range, which is a diesel run dragon, as Bond else quarrel <laughs> that quarrel should take the driver while bond gets the headlights and the tires now you know realistically i'm thinking wait a minute bond just tells quarrel to take the driver what well, you know from what we know of quarrel just from this mission this is not his thing right he, he doesn't shoot guns on a regular basis or fight dragons <laughs> for that matter you don't hold the gun right <laughs> Yeah, we know he's helped lighter to a degree. That was said earlier, but we do not know to what degree he helped. So him taking a pistol and having such a responsibility as taking out the driver is huge. I would have thought Bond would have said, hey, I'll take the driver. You try to hit the lights, Coral. <laughs> but no, uh-uh, didn't happen. And to support what I'm saying here about him taking out the driver, you can see the hesitation in Coral's face as he's firing the gun. Like, hey, I don't do this kind of thing much, and I'm trying to do what you want here, Bond, Captain. But 
It's all said in, in brief seconds with his face. Again, really, really solid acting on Quarrel's part. Now, unfortunately, the battle against the dragon finds Quarrel on the receiving end of the flames. All right. As Quarrel dies from the flames of the dragon, we see Bond walk over towards him in sadness. Quarrel had become a good friend and an ally of Bond in such a short time. That on-screen development of Quarrel and the relationship he had with Bond is brilliant. And it allows us to see a side of Bond for the first time. Of course, this is the first movie with Bond where he is sad at the loss of a good ally and friend in Quarrel. Yeah, I actually really like that, too, because it we get similar reactions throughout the Bond series when Bond loses a friend. Yeah, we get some. It kind of starts here. Yeah, it does. When Bond goes back to look at Coral after Bond is handcuffed and the henchman says, sorry, we ain't got no flowers. Uh, here you see Bond's more human side where he feels bad that the guy who became his buddy in Jamaica had been killed so violently. And this is violent. This is a violent death for the first movie. This is really, <laughs> I mean, you're burning a guy to death. This is thrower death. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And it's Quarrel's character that we have grown to know and love on screen that allows this poignant moment to happen. His courage got him killed. And Bond's prediction that everything is going to be fine was wrong. This shows us a lot for the series to come. Absolutely. But Quarrel and John Kitzmiller's acting are both outstanding. And we know a lot about Quarrel in his relative short screen time. The writers made the most of Quarrel's screen time and really developed his character right in front of us so that we, the audience, got to know and love Quarrel for what he was, a charter fisherman who was a warrior. I mean, really, in this movie, we see Quarrel aloof, and untrusting when he meets Bond. Remember, because Bond went with the driver at the airport, Leiter and Quarrel were not sure of Bond's allegiances at, the, at that time. Eventually, they understood who he was. We see him tough at the beachfront bar and setting up Bond. We see him vulnerable when up against Bond. We see him fearful of Crab Key at of the Crab Key Dragon and going to Crab Key. We see him tough in bringing Bond to Grab Key, even though he was afraid. Courage is not having no fear. It's having fear and doing what you have to do anyway. And Coral shows us that. And then Coral was in it with Bond till the end, literally. And it was sad to see him go. I really. Uh, Actually, I like that list you just went through because it shows a lot of different emotions that Kit Miller yes. was able to give us yeah. as the character of Coral. And I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah, I, I would say that John Kitzmiller is one of the best actors in Dr. No and really enhances and enriches the movie. And we feel the pathos when he dies. That's how good he was here. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get a little bit more background on Kitzmiller. I mean, he was born in Battle Creek, Michigan on December 4th, 1913. He had a chemistry engineering degree from the University of Michigan. He eventually was a captain in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Wow. And he was stationed in Italy during World War II. So the actor who played the simple character of Quarrel was well-educated and tough in real life. 
Yeah, he was. Kitz Miller's been in over 40 movies from the 1940s through 1965, mostly European movies since he lived in Italy. Mm -hmm. He was the first black actor to win a Best Actor Award at the Cannes Film Festival for his role in Valley of Peace in 1956, a Yugoslavian, now Slovenia, film. Six years before he did that in 1950, he had a fun role in the Fellini movie Variety Lights, originally called Luci del Varietà. Again, whoa, way, way, way overmodulated there. Yeah, a Fellini movie. That's right. Well, actually, he was in another Fellini movie before that, Senza Pietà, Without Pity, in 1948. So, you know, he's been in a lot of stuff, and he's just a terrific actor. Yeah, now, I haven't seen the Without Pity movie, but I did watch Variety Lights, and Kitzmiller plays this trumpet player called Johnny. Oh, okay, yeah. I wanted to point out something with this one. He had to laugh a lot in this role, and he mm-hmm. has a great laugh. <laughs> and I just love that laugh. It kind of reminds me of Joffrey Holder's laugh as Baron Somedy, right? In Live and Let Die. Not as deep, but it's it's a damn good laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so unlike his more serious role as Quarrel in Dr. No, it's nice that in Variety Lights, he got to show us some humor. Yeah. He was in his first movie in, in Europe, Vivari in Pace. To Live in Peace, where Terrence Young, the director of Dr. No, first saw John Kitzmiller. Nice. Yeah. So he was an imposing figure on screen. He was 6'1", 1.85 meters tall, and in good shape. And, and unfortunately, he died at a young age. He, di- he died at 51. Yeah. Very sad. We really like John Kitzmiller, and he plays a critical key role in the first James Bond movie, Dr. No. Kitzmiller is part of what made Dr. No a success. It is not only the lead actors who make the film a success, but the supporting actors who enrich the movie, giving the movie depth, believability, so we can lose ourselves in the movie, and substance, and helps tie all the pieces together. Hats off to John Kitzmiller. Now we're going to do more of these character profiles because they're fun, they're meaningful, and highlight actors like John Kitzmiller here. Actors who need to be called out on stage for an encore. Yeah, there you go. I'm plotting. (laughs) All right, that's a wrap. This has been Dan. And Tom. From SpyMovieNavigator.com. We hope you enjoyed our look at John Kitzmiller and how his performance in his role of Coral helped shape Dr. No. Please subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app. We also have this as a video if you check out our YouTube channel. Both the podcast and the YouTube channels are called Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Thanks for spending time with us. We appreciate it.